Hello, Kara Steinman here. I hope you're enjoying all these episodes of Ravel Radio. Most of these gals so far have been, actually I think all of them so far, have been members of the Ravel Collective, which is an online professional community for women service entrepreneurs. Most of us are really purpose-driven and we want to connect with other women, build relationships, do more collaborating, get referrals, and we're tired of hustling and marketing our business. So we're doing that instead and it works really well when you get really strategic and don't just throw shit at the wall. So that's what we're doing. It's amazing. I'm loving getting to know all these ladies even better and helping you guys all get to know each other better because when we know each other, we can like each other and then we're invested enough to collaborate and send referrals. And that's kind of the gist of how things go. However, there are also women outside of Ravel who are amazing. And one of them is today's guest. I first discovered Nikki last year when I realized that if I owned a business, that meant I was a salesperson. And that really freaked me out because I hate sales, which is part of why I think I was drawn to inbound marketing, because you just give good content, you do good things, and then people come to you. So as a person who doesn't love sales, and I think a lot of a lot of other women can relate, it feels kind of pushy, it feels gross, but Nikki really has an amazing way of making it easy of making it feel good. And I wanted to bring her on here to share her perspectives and her frameworks with you guys because she's awesome and I think you're going to love her. So here's the scoop on Nikki. Nikki is the CEO of Sales Maven. She has a unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 years of selling experience, entrepreneurs and small business owners now hire Nikki to show them how to sell successfully and authentically. That authentically part is really important. Nikki's written three books, all available on Amazon, and she has a podcast called Sales Maven, which is amazing if you haven't found it yet. And you can find that on all of your, all the platforms. So without further ado, I give you a conversation about sales that will make you feel really good about it with Nikki Rausch. Hi, Nikki. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I feel really honored. Oh, me too. I'm like so stoked that you're here with me. Um, so yeah, I've been in your Sales Maven Society group for a while. Yes. And I've done some coaching sessions one-to-one with you. And I wanted to bring you on the podcast to talk to the gals in Ravel about sales, about relationship sales, because you approach it quite a bit differently than I think they've maybe heard before or have been led to believe that sales should, should go down. Mm. I think so too. So I'll, I'll tell you kind of one of my overarching philosophies around sales. And I think a mis- there's a misconception that sales is something that you do to people. So that feels kind of manipulative and frankly, gross. Most people don't want things done to them. (laughs) So I always say sales is actually something you do with people. And that brings in the collaborative approach that takes the pressure off um, in a sales conversation. Because if you're trying to do something to somebody, that means you're trying to convince them to buy from you. You're trying to convince them that your way is the right way. And I think in our society, in, in kind of our just the way we are today in this day and age, is that we don't want people to try to convince us. We don't want people to try to change our minds. So I think this approach to selling that 
I consider it very old school, although it's still very prevalent in the marketplace. But this idea that your job is to convince people, I think is a real shame. And I think it does a disservice and specifically to women, (laughs) because I think women for the most part, and I'm, you know, I know I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I don't think women want to be seen as aggressive and pushy and trying to convince people that they need to do something. So when you take that approach and you go, how can you make it collaborative? How can you put the relationship first? How can you build rapport with with the person you're in conversation with? When you're able to do those things, selling actually gets a lot easier. It takes the pressure off. I love the way that you explained that in terms of women and and feeling collaborative, because I think we do want to feel like we're doing something good with somebody. The last thing I ever want to feel is that I'm tricking somebody into spending money on something maybe they don't need. Like the idea that we are working with someone to help them overcome something and that yeah. there's a monetary exchange there that just happens to take place, but that but that we're not we're not trying to give them something they don't need. We don't right. sell it to them if they don't need it, right? Right, right. You know, the other kind of really common marketing language out there, which there is some, there's validity to it, but I think with women, it feels off-putting is this idea of sell people on their pain points. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, you know, put, put somebody up in front of you, ask them to take off all their clothes and then nitpick all of their imperfections. Like as a woman... I can say, no, thank you. I don't want to stand naked in front of you and let you nitpick all my imperfections. So this idea of always pushing on people's pain points, I think feels like that too. Um, The idea of understanding what somebody's problem is or what struggle they're having, it's different when you approach sales as like, do they have a problem? Are they struggling? Do they have a want? Do they have a need? And if so, do I have permission to offer them some type of a solution? And then that is so kind and respectful. And it's not about picking at somebody's imperfections. It's not about making people feel bad about themselves so that they'll spend money with you. And, you know, we, we're all on the receiving end of this all day long. We get bombarded with, you know, you know, this is this is why you need this cream because you've got wrinkles on your face. This is why you need this thing because, you know, people are looking at you going, look how old she looks. You know, this is why you got to stuff your face with all these fillers. And I, I'm not making judgments about doing those things or not doing those things. But if you're doing them because you feel bad about yourself, because you've watched some ad or you've gotten some message out there, I just think we don't need to sell like that. <laughs> No, thank no, you. I, I agree. I agree. It makes you feel like you're not going to be good enough mm-hmm. unless you spend the money to do that thing. Like you're not good just as you are. It's not that I like I like your approach much better. So when you're when you're talking talking sales and you're helping people understand how to sell their product and get it in the hands of the people that need it, yeah. how do you how do you suggest that they approach that? Well, one of the most important things here is learning how to sell with people instead of at people. So I mentioned like sales to me as a collaborative thing. We have been trained in our society to talk at people and the opposite is learning how to talk with. So the, and and I'll give you some examples of this that are hopefully very tangible for the listener who's like, okay, get, get to the point, Nikki. So here's what I would say is 
it's the difference of like telling people all the things about your product and why they should buy it. That's that's talking at people. Talking with people is asking questions and letting people answer those questions, taking the information that they give in their answers to that question, and then offering to put a solution in front of them that meets whatever has come up in that question. So learning how to sell by asking really strategic questions gets it gets to the heart of the matter faster. It helps you identify if you're talking to a client or if you're just talking to somebody who's you know, just having a nice conversation with you, or if there's some piece of information that you need in order to earn somebody's business. And I do think selling your job is to earn people's business. It's not, it's not their job to give it to you. You don't, you don't automatically deserve anybody's business. You have to earn it. So I kind of went off the rails there, but no, you're perfect. You're perfect. I love that. You mentioned, you mentioned the questions and the language. That's one of the things I love about the way that you approach um, sales is that you've got the ne- um, neurolinguistic programming background background. Mm-hmm. And so you you really look at the language and the way things are presented. So like what are some of the what are some of the ways that somebody you talk a lot about sales signals that people miss. So buying signals, like, yep. Buying signals. So yep. so one of the things that we we are probably not going to have to sell as hard if we can pick up on these little signals. Like we yeah. don't have to feel gross if somebody's actually how does that work? Talk to talk to me about buying signals. Yeah, so buying signals are verbal and nonverbal cues that people give that indicate interest. And uh, I've been talking about buying signals since I started my business back in 2013. I actually wrote my second book all about buying signals because I didn't realize until I started working with women entrepreneurs that this wasn't really common language to them. So I come from a corporate sales background. And to me, buying signals were just a part of my everyday, like I'm always on the lookout for buying signals. So I mentioned verbal and nonverbal cues. And and in the book, I give 17 different buying signals and there's more than that even, but I'm just gonna give you an example of a few. And the objective is that when you learn how to recognize that somebody has given you a potential buying signal, it's not always going to be a buying signal, but it might be. And your job is to always check it out in case it is. And then for you to follow up with some type of an invitation. So there's kind of a a three-step approach here to a buying signal is, first of all, somebody indicates something that could be a potential buying signal. An example of one would be this is super, I hope everybody, like when I say this, they're like, yeah, duh, lady. I want it to feel really obvious, but unfortunately, most people miss the other steps to it. So somebody says to you, gosh, Kara, I'm really interested in working with you. What does it cost to work with you? So somebody's asking about pricing. That's a huge potential buying signal. Now, most people do a couple things. They either say, well, it depends, which is never the answer to the <laughs> sales price question, even if there's a part of you that's saying, but Nikki, it does depend. I know, and it's still not an answer. So you give an answer. And even if you have to give a range, you do that. So you could say, typically an engagement with me could range between, and you could put whatever pricing you want there. I don't care if you say $10 to 25,000, doesn't matter to me. You put whatever the range is. And then you follow up with an invitation to the next step. So if you say, how much is it to work with you? And you say, you know, it could range anywhere between $1,000 a month to $5,000 a month. Is that something you'd like to chat more about? So you have to follow up with that invitation. Most of the time people are going to go, yeah, tell me more about that. Sometimes people are going to be like, hey, I want to sign up for your program. 
That's a huge buying signal, right? And hopefully super obvious. Don't say, oh, well, here's the link to sign up. Say, great, let me get you signed up right now. And like do it in that moment to go to that next step with them. So don't make people jump through a bunch of hoops. If somebody says, I'd really like to work with you, don't so don't say to them, go look at my website and look at all the videos that I have on there and read all my testimonials. No, they've just given you a buying signal. Your job is to act on it in the moment. So I know I just gave you one example of a buying signal. There's many, many more. But the objective is when you get a buying signal from somebody, you check it out. Is this a real buying signal? Should it choose, you know, like indicate that it is, then you then you invite them to the next step in the process, which could be a discovery call with you. It could be you actually exchange dollars for services. It could be that we need to schedule another time to chat. Any of those things could happen, but you have to actually do some, take some action to get it moving in the direction of where you want it to go. I'm sitting here thinking of two or three instances in the past month or so where I have completely blown that, like okay. where I should have, I should have known better and I just didn't do it. Okay. So I need to start paying attention a little bit more here. Can but, I give um, you a what to do now? Yeah. Okay, okay. So this is for you, but also if anybody's listening, that's thinking like, oh my gosh, somebody I think gave me a buying signal the other day at a networking meeting, circle back with them and just say something as simple. Your message could be something as simple as, hey, it was so great to chat with you last time we met. I wanted to check in with you because you you mentioned that you might find it useful for us to talk about X, Y, and Z. Would you like to schedule a time to do that? Like ask the question, give them that invitation. And it truly is an invitation because I'm not saying, hey, you need to schedule a time to chat with me so that I can tell you how to how to buy my stuff, right? No, it's like, hey, would you like to have a conversation about this? It's a really simple invitation. The person can decline, but chances are there's some part of them that there was a reason they gave you that buying signal. So take it upon yourself to circle back with them and invite them to whatever that next logical step is. You may have missed the buying signal, but they may be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you called, or I'm so glad you sent me an email because I've really been wanting to take this next step with you. Yeah. You just touched on something that you, that I learned from you that I think is something, it's so incredible. When someone says, let me think about it, or Mm -hmm. when they need a little time, or maybe they need to talk to somebody else, how do you ensure that they will still be paying attention later? So anytime somebody says to me, I need to think about it, or I need to talk to somebody else, I offer to schedule a circle back call. So I actually call them a circle back call. This is how I teach it. So if somebody says, you know, I really need to think about this, or I need to review this proposal, whatever their reason is, don't just say, oh, okay, I'll call you next week. Because chances are when you call next week, they're not going to answer do you answer when random people call your phone? I can't I mean, remember to call them back half the time. Yeah, like, that's the other gotta, thing, I got to right? be organized enough to do that. That's that for many of us, that can be a challenge. So what I want you to say when somebody says, I need to think about it, or I need to talk to my partner or whatever it is, I want you to say, great. What do you think about us scheduling a circle back call on our calendars now? That way we can you know, answer any additional questions that come up from you. And then we can talk about next steps for working together. And then I recommend a time and a date on our calendar. So I get it on my calendar, but I also send them a calendar invite or I ask them to put it on their calendar so that it isn't when, so when I reach up back out with them, they're expecting to hear from me because I'm on their calendar and they're on mine. 
So I don't do a lot of, I don't chase clients. You know, if somebody says like, Hey, call me next week. And I say, what do you think about a scheduling a time? And they're like, no, just call me next week. I'm probably not going to call you because <laughs> I don't think you're very serious if you're not willing to get it on your calendar because I'm willing to put you on my calendar because that is how serious I am about delivering value to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we don't need to chase clients, right? No. That doesn't Mm-mm. feel good. Nobody wants to do that. I think in sales, if you chase clients, they turn into toddlers. <laughs> Uh, that's fair. I think you have some little ones at home, right? So when they were smaller, I think yeah. those are a little Mine's seven. Bit. He's almost 17, but I definitely okay, remember yes. when he was smaller. But you know, when he was like two or three and you say to him like, oh, I'm going to chase you. Yeah. He doesn't even know what the game is and he's off and running, right? Oh, my dog does that too. I have yeah, to so run from my dog to get her to come in the house. Perfect, right? So kids are the same way, but so are clients. When you act like I'm going to chase you for your business, they run away. So stop chasing people because what will happen, just like with a toddler, if you're playing chase with a toddler and you stop and you stand in one spot, typically the toddler will either get bored and they'll go do something else or they'll start inching closer back to you. So when you do that with people who are not committing to you, if you stop chasing, they'll either inch their way back to you because they'll be like, oh, Kara, why aren't you paying attention to me? Or they'll go away. And either way is a win for you because you're not wasting a bunch of time and energy chasing after people who are like, I'm just going to run. As long as you chase me, I'll just keep running. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's like, I love that. You so something else that you you talk about is here, kitty kitty. Mm, yeah, can you talk about that? Because <laughs> I love that. Okay, so there's a there's a little bit of background to it. So I teach a five step process to a sales conversation. I call it the selling staircase. I wrote my third book about it. And step two of the selling staircase is creating curiosity. And I compare creating curiosity to the difference between how you call a dog and how you call a cat. Now, you just mentioned that you have to have some unique ways to get your dog to do things. <laughs> but a lot of times when people want to call a dog, they change their, their, they change everything about their like their voice quality. They change their body language. And a lot of times they'll do this thing where they'll be like, come here, boy, come here, right? And dogs respond to that energy. They're like, oh, something fun's going to go. Like, maybe I'm going to come. Maybe I'm going to get a treat. Maybe I'm going to get a, you know, a walk, whatever. So unfortunately in sales, a lot of times when you're really excited, like you've got a prospect on the line and you feel like, oh, I could really help this person. You show up with what I call dog calling energy and people are not dogs and they don't respond to that. So if you're like, oh my gosh, Kara, I could totally help you. And I I looked at your website and I saw what you did and you totally need sales coaching. And here's what you're going to be like, uh, no, thank you. And like push away from me, right? That's that dog calling energy. So if you flip it and you think about how you call a cat, a lot of times when you're wanting to get a cat's attention, a cat is not going to respond, respond. If you're like here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty, let's do this. Let, you know, like, that's not how you call a cat. You do this thing where you go here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. Now cats won't even always come to that. They might sit there and give you a look like what? and you know check you out. So when you're when you're showing up in your business you have to know how to create some curiosity. So I call this creating the here kitty kitty responses. And there's a lot of ways to do it, but the easiest way to do it is how you respond to certain questions. 
that creates people to go, oh, tell me more about that because you just piqued their interest. So instead of having dog calling energy and going like, Kara, I looked at at your website. You should totally hire me and you need sales coaching. And again, back to the dog calling. But if instead I show up in a conversation with you and I say, you know, I was looking at your website and you're doing so many things, right? I did have some ideas for you. I'm wondering if you'd want to know more about those. That's a here kitty kitty. Because chances are you're going to be like, okay, tell me more about that. If I have some relationship and rapport with you, not, I don't mean just showing up in like a thousand people's inbox who've never heard from you. That's shotgun approach to sales. I don't believe in that either. <laughs> but you know, if, if you and I have some kind of relationship and I say, you know, I looked at your website, you're doing so many things, right? And I have a couple ideas for you. Would you be open to hearing those? You're going to be like, tell me more. Doesn't mean you're going to hire me, but I've created enough curiosity for you to be like, what? You know, it's like, you're giving me a little bit of time to to like peak more interest for you here. I would like to draw this parallel between today's consumers too and cats and dogs because okay. back in the day before everything was was as busy as it is and people had been screwed over online as many times as they have now, I think our consumers were more like dogs, maybe a little eager to try, try stuff and like friendly, but I think today consumers like I'm thinking about everybody on LinkedIn and and in Facebook groups they're more like cats so they're lurking around they're not saying a lot they're yeah. ne- definitely not going to be trusting you right away Mm-mm. so I'm wondering if we can unpack this a little bit for the girls in Ravel because I know I I've been talking to a lot of them lately about how to create interest in a way that doesn't feel like look at me look at me is mm. there a way to apply here kitty kitty to weave in some interest in a way, like in Facebook posts or comments that doesn't feel like, hey, look at me, look at me. Yeah. The easiest way to do it there. And the answer is yes, there, there are multiple ways to do it. But the easiest way that I think everybody will be able to implement as a result of this is learn how to ask questions because questions elicit conversation. And conversation is where connection starts to happen, even online. So one of the mistakes that people will often make, and believe me, my team is guilty of this too, that posts for me on, you know, on my own social media posts, where they'll do this thing where they'll be like, hey, look at me, I've got this great thing going on and here you should sign up for it. But instead, ask a question, say to somebody, what's something exciting going on in your business? Ask that as a question. And then you can share what's exciting going on in your business. So you could say, what's something really that or that you're really excited about this week? What I'm really excited about this week is this upcoming masterclass that I have going on, right? Then you can plant that seed. So start with a question. Uh, very few people actually ask other people questions. And if you're not asking people questions, I can guarantee you, You are talking at people and there are people who are sick of hearing from you because of it. So if you'll start to ask questions, you're now talking with, doesn't mean everybody's going to engage, but even our brains love a question. Our brains are like Google. If you go to Google right now and type something in, Google tries to give you an answer to anything. doesn't matter what it is. Google tries. The way our brains work is if you ask questions, our brains like to answer questions. Doesn't mean they'll type a response to you, 
but they might think of a response. And because they think of their response about what's really exciting going on in their business this week, they're more likely to want to read what's exciting going on in your business this week. You know, what's exciting about that too, is that I don't even know if it has to be about business. It doesn't. In the Sales Maven Society, some of the most fun, engaging posts that I participate in are the, what do you call them? Spill the tea? We call the, it spill the tea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ask like once a week or something, a fun question yeah. like, um, I forget what the most recent one, oh, what, what's the weirdest pet you've ever had? Or, you know, it's been like <laughs> people want to share the weird stuff about themselves. They want to share what their favorite quote is or like stuff like that. And that builds connection, right? Yeah. It brings them back in front of you. They keep engaging with you, that mere exposure effect kicks in and they start to prefer you and and recognize you and build trust. So maybe you don't sell them something today on LinkedIn or whatever, but maybe in a week or a month or two months, you'll be the one they think about. Yeah. Never, ever be afraid to ask questions. People think that, uh, well, if I'm asking questions, that means I don't know things. But in actuality, the person who asks questions typically holds the power in a conversation. So you have more influence when you know how to ask really good questions. How can we get better at asking questions? Because I, I just love what you said about the person asking the questions has the power because it historically doesn't feel that way when you're asking questions. It means you don't know what you're you don't know the answers, right? If you're asking questions, maybe it puts you, you feel like it puts you in a a vulnerable position or in a non-power position or whatever, but you're saying that's. Yeah. It's like, oh, people, people can tell I don't know things. Well, it depends on the question that you're asking, right? So how are you framing the question? So if you're asking a question that's like, what's something really exciting going on for you or what's, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about a spill the tea thing that I really want to ask right now in this society that we haven't asked yet, but it's, um, it's something about like, how did you come up with the name of your business? Mm. That's something you're an expert on, right? You being an expert on that in no way diminishes me being an expert on what I did to come up with the name for my business. So, you know, there's, there are questions. So if you're just like, I don't understand, tell me more. Okay. That that's not really going to show any kind of, it's not, it's not building no like and trust necessarily. It could potentially, but it's, it's not, you know, through questions, you can kind of guide a conversation. So if you want to talk about something, ask questions that leads people to want to share more that, that now we can go down this road. So for instance, if I want to talk about the, the fact that I have a podcast I could I could be asking you questions about your podcast. Doesn't diminish what I know about my podcast or how many episodes I've done or doesn't diminish any of those things about you as an expert in your own right. But when you're willing to lift the other person and 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 show that you're honoring where they are in their life or in their business as their as their expertise, it's like you know the the most the the, the people, people we love to be around typically are people who are confident about who they are as a person. It's hard to be around somebody who you're like, gosh, I wish they would you know get more confident about who they are. They're hard to be around because you feel like you just got to lift and lift and lift and lift, and now it becomes all about them. But when you can stand in your own place of power and be and turn a question around and let the other person like have some light shined on them, it doesn't steal your light. Yeah. And that's true. I, I mean, I love, 
learning about people and asking questions and finding out more about them. Are there any rules, not rules, but are there any NLP techniques around question asking that that could help guide how we ask questions better? Well, one one technique that's very NLP is to get specific in your questions. So one of the mistakes that we often make is we ask really vague in general type questions, which can be effective. There, there are times and places, especially in sales, to ask a vague question that has no context to it. So th- I do teach this, but there's also like, if you really want to get to the heart of the matter, don't ask somebody like, would you be willing to tell me about your life? Like, what part of my life? Like I'm, you know, 50 years old and I've got a lot going on here and, you know, I've done a lot of things. Do you want to know about my early life, my late life, like today, yesterday? What? So it's too, it's too broad. But if you say, would you be willing to share with me? What, what was the catalyst for starting your business? That's a very specific question makes it easy for somebody to answer. If you ask somebody, um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there and just say, it's the difference between asking general questions and asking specific questions. Specificity is a hard thing to learn how to do. And yet, again, it grows your influence when you learn how to do this. And I do teach, I teach about specificity. It's it's a huge section of one of the master classes that I teach. And a lot of times people go through it and they're like, dang, I never thought about helping clients get more specific in their requests. Because when you can get to the heart of the matter, it's really, it's so much easier to earn somebody's business when you can help them get to the heart of the matter because you know how to ask really smart questions. So the masterclass, would that be something that people would want to check out if they wanted to learn how to ask questions better and have better conversations in sales? Yeah. I mean, I, I, questions are a big, big part of everything that I teach. So there's lots and lots of ways to get this information. Join the Sales Maven Society. Come hang out with Kara and all the amazing people in there. Uh, I give a lot of different types of questions in there. And I do have a couple. I have two masterclasses in particular where questions are deep dive. One is called the Language of Sales. And that's a you know a really deep dive masterclass on kind of all the steps of the selling staircase. And then there's the sales scripts to increase influence. And in there, I get into specifically specificity. And that is um, that particular masterclass is a lot of my NLP um, training where I've pulled out the language pieces from NLP and put it into sales scripts for increasing influence. So it's not just a bunch of sales scripts, but it's teaching you how to ask more specific questions, how to ask vague questions and when to ask those. It's how to frame your own messaging so that you're not leaving people going like, what? I don't know what that means. Right. Yeah. I think I might have to do that sales scripts. That one, that sounds like it's a good one. Yeah. That sounds really good. Um, one last question I wanted to ask you about actually asking for the sale. Mm-hmm. Cause we can dance around the questions about our offers and creating interest and everything, but we have, do we have to actually ask for the sale? Like how often is somebody going to really come in and say, where do you, where do you want my money? Like where can yeah. I put it? You always have to ask for the sale. <laughs> Here's so if, if when you're in a conversation with somebody, now again, I teach this five-step process to selling. So you don't just ask, you don't just show up and ask somebody for their business. There's a process to it. But once you get to and, and closing, which is asking for the sale, is step five in the process of the five steps. So it's the last step. Most people get to like step four and then they hang out. 
And here's how you'll know that you're not asking for somebody's business is you have a lot of uh, kind of potential work hanging out there with a lot of people who haven't made decisions. That's one indicator that you're actually not asking for the sale. It's it's a big one. I actually just worked with a client this morning and that was the first thing that we started off. And she was like, I have $100,000 in proposals that are sitting out there and I can't get these people to like say yes or no. So I know right off the bat that she's not having a clear ask. So all we have to do is solve this clear ask and she will start closing more of those business that of that business and she'll close it faster. Cause the longer you let it hang out, the the more distracted people get. And they're like, oh squirrel, I could do this other thing or I could spend my money on that other thing. Or, you know, it's 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 you'll you'll postpone getting the business and potentially lose it. So you always have to ask. And that means having a really clear ask. So an example of a really clear ask, let's say we've walked through all five steps of the process and you and I've gotten to this place where I've laid out ways for us to work together. And then I'm going to say to you, Kara, is that something you'd like to move forward with? And then I'm going to zip it and I'm going to wait. And I'm actually going to let you answer the question. I'm not going to keep talking. I'm not going to say this or that. I'm going to like really just be quiet and wait. That's hard. I know. The keeping your mouth shut and waiting part. What do you do? Mm-hmm. They, they have to say something eventually, right? Yeah. There's usually five things that'll happen when you issue clothes. They'll either say, yes, awesome. You got a new client. <laughs> they will um, have a question, which if you don't answer that question, you probably won't earn their business. So you have to give them an opportunity to ask the question. They will have an objection, which we need to be able to uncover that in order to overcome it. They'll um, say no, that happens sometimes. And that's okay. That's part of sales. Or they'll say, I need to think about it. Those are the five things that are going to happen when you when you go to close a sale. But you'll never get the question or the objection, which are the two things you absolutely need to know if that's a hindrance. And more importantly, you'll never get the yes if you don't ask for the business. Because most of us are overwhelmed with making decisions. I, you may have heard me talk about this. I talk about it all the time. But if you think about this, I don't know if you know this, Kara, if you've heard me talk about this, like how many decisions in a day the average adult makes. Have you heard me talk about this stat before? I heard you and Melina Palmer talk about this. Yeah. Melina talks about it too. Yep. So if you think about how many decisions you make in a day, so as the listener right now, think about your life and how many decisions on average do you think you make a day? Come up with a number in your head. So I'm going to- Well, I'm trying to remember. I know what it is because I listened to the the podcast episode. It's like a hundred thousand or something, some million trillion. (laughs) It's not quite that (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Okay. So most people, when I ask them, they'll go like, I don't know, a hundred or a couple thousand they say the average adult makes between 35,000 and 60,000 decisions a day. We are crazy overwhelmed with decision fatigue. So if you don't ask somebody for their decision in a really simple, easy way, chances are they won't make the decision because they're like, my brain's tired. I've made a lot of decisions. So if they don't have to make a decision because a simple question wasn't posed to them, they won't they'll hang out. They'll ghost you because they're not ready to make the decision. But if you say to somebody in that moment, hey, Kara, is this something you'd like to move forward with? 
you can really easily in that moment say, yes, no, I have a question. I'm not sure. I don't think this is going to work for me. That's your objection possibly. Or you can say, Nikki, I need some more time to think about it. But at least I've put the decision in front of you. I don't say like, here, I'm going to send you this proposal. Let me know if you want to work together. Because I'm basically saying, put me on your to-do list and your 35,000 decisions that you're going to make tomorrow. I'm probably never going to make it to the top of your decision list when I do that. I'm one. I'm sitting here wondering if there's any benefit to having sales calls in the morning versus the afternoon. Mm. I am smoked by about 3 p.m. I can't even figure out what to make for dinner anymore. I don't even care. Yeah. So that that says for I would say for you, Kara. <laughs> you know, I would probably like open your calendar earlier in the day like for people to actually get on calls with you. Yeah. Like I know when my sweet spot is too of the day, like I know when I want to teach. Now it doesn't always mean that that's going to, you know, work, but if I get to pick what time of day I'm going to teach, like I know my sweet spot. I know when I'm firing on all cylinders. And when somebody asks me to come and give a presentation at seven o'clock at night, I might say yes to it, but you're not going to get the best me. Because I know when my best is. So if you know when your best is, that's a good time to schedule your sales calls. That's something we don't think about a lot, the time of day that we're doing these things. Yeah. And yet we all have control of our calendars Yeah, as entrepreneurs, but we act yeah. like we don't. I stopped taking, nobody can put anything on my calendar Fridays Yeah, and like half of Mondays and half of Wednesdays. Yeah. I've blocked off and it made such a huge difference in just yeah. my... Like I know that Fridays I'm going to do what I want to do for my business on Fridays or for me, yeah, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I have a lot of people who have access to my calendar, so I have to block out times all the time because otherwise then I get where I'm like, you know, it's crazy. But like even before we started this call, you had mentioned that you had something you wanted to work on together. I can look at my calendar and go, oh, I'll make an exception and I'll let Kara have this spot. Yeah. But that's my choice to do it. Right. Yep. Versus just letting somebody can somebody outside of you control your calendar all the time where you're like, oh, I'm so tired at that time. Now, some people aren't morning people. Right. And if you're not a morning person, don't do sales calls in the morning. Don't do discovery calls in the morning. If you're like, I feel like I'm not, you know, I got to chug a bunch of coffee and I got to get a bunch of whatever. And again, there's no judgment about that. It's just like it's proven that some of us, our body clocks work different. Well, then you've got time changes and everything else. There was yeah. this, um, I was supposed to do a guest appearance on a podcast interview thing, whatever. Like it took me like four months to book it because she's on the other side of the world mm -hmm. and everything was after like 4 PM and I'm no good after three. So we get up so early. I'm like pretty much by this time of the day, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. So know that about yourself and plan accordingly, like, you know, to the, you know, you decide if you're going to go, well, I really want to be on our podcast. So I'll say yes to this in this moment, but I took a nap. Okay, good. I was going to say <laughs> like, do what you can. And also, you know, one of the things I think as entrepreneurs, we don't give ourselves enough um, grace that, and I teach this all the time too, is like your performance will be within a range. If you think about like on a scale of one to 10, some days, you know, when you're really firing, you might you might be a nine, you might be a nine and a half. I never get to a 10, but maybe, right? And then there are other days where I'm like, mm, I'm kind of a four today. <laughs> so to expect me to go from a four to a nine and a half is super unrealistic. But if I think about, okay, I'm at a four, 
I want to be the best version of myself I can be. So I'm just going to try to get to a four and a half or maybe a five. Now it takes some pressure off. And now I'm not like, oh my gosh, I've totally failed here. It's like, no, I was the best version of myself that I was capable of in that moment. And today it was a five. And a lot of times a five is much better than people who don't know how to do what you know how to do. And they're just happy that you showed up and you gave the best version you could. That's a good point. Showing up as a five is better than not showing up at all. That's right. Yeah. Well, I can't think of anything else that that I could ask you today that you could cover that someone couldn't find by coming right over to your website. You've got a little mini sales training, I think, that you offered to the Ravel Gals. I do. I do. Yes. And I'll link to it, but it's I think it's your yoursalesmaven.com forward slash Ravel. Exactly. And I'll put the link in there for sure. And then also, um, I want everybody to check out the Sales Maven Society because it's really cool. Nikki asks all kinds of fun questions in there and there's all kinds of amazing other women in there. Um, it's a good time. Yeah. Is there anything else you would say to the gals? Yeah. Just, you know, the thing about selling skills is that it is a learned skill. And I think a lot of times, especially women in business, is they think, oh, I'm just supposed to know this. You're not supposed to just know it. It's something you can learn. So if you find sales uncomfortable, or if you want to up-level your sales in some way, you can learn it. Every single person can be good at sales and every single person can enjoy the selling process. It's just a matter of learning how to do it in your way that works for you. So yeah, check out the training you know that I'm going to give to you. It it breaks down those five steps of the selling staircase. The Sales Maven Society is a great way for you to kind of continue to get access to training because there's training in there. There's live coaching calls with me. There's an incredible group of business owners that are committed to up-leveling the up up-leveling their sales. And whether it's you work with me or you work with somebody else or you read a great sales book, but yeah, like give yourself some grace. You're not supposed to just know how to sell. It's a learned skill. I love that you said that we can learn to love it and enjoy it too, because Mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me until I think last year that if I own a business, I'm in sales. Amen. I don't know why that never occurred to me before, but I I remember exactly where I was sitting when I realized that I had to figure out how to sell stuff. And I was like, so disappointed, but you make it really fun and easy. So I love that. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And um, everyone can find you on LinkedIn also. Go find her on LinkedIn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I just love talking to Nikki. She's so smart and kind and funny and sweet and all the things. And she has a really great community. So I do encourage anyone who is struggling with sales or how to talk to customers or clients within emails or sales conversations to go check it out. Um, And also, you know, if you have any inkling that someone else in your community might be struggling with sales, do them a solid and and share this conversation with them. They might really benefit from knowing that there's an, an easier, friendlier, more feminine way to do this whole thing. So with that, um, I'm out for this episode and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Love to hear any feedback, love a rating if you're loving it and um, I'll talk to you soon.